0: Welcome to episode number 88 of the Church Leadership Podcast. We're so glad you have joined us for today's episode. If you're new to our podcast, welcome along for this journey. And we would encourage you, if you are new to the podcast, probably go back and listen to episodes number one and two. That'll give you a little insight into me and into Andy and kind of what we're about. Our goal for This podcast is to encourage and equip you to lead in the local church. And uh, today's episode, we believe, is going to do just that. We have a great conversation lined up for today's episode. Before we get to that content, though, I want to remind you to subscribe to our podcast. You can subscribe to using your favorite podcast listening app or on YouTube, and we also ask that you share it on social media, even give us a rating, that helps us out a great deal, and so you can go to ratethispodcast.com slash CLP, ratethispodcast.com slash CLP, and that'll, uh, that'll take you to a portal to rate the podcast in various formats, so we appreciate you doing that. I'm excited about what you're going to hear on today's episode.
1: We're so glad you've joined us this week on the Church Leadership Podcast. We know you will enjoy the conversation we're about to have with Dean and Sarah. Uh, Dean joins us, and he is in Tallahassee, Florida, where he serves as the pastor of City Church there. Uh, Dean's also authored a few books, uh, a book that Mark and I have even mentioned before, The Unsaved Christian, and a recent book called Without a Doubt. He's joined some other people to... uh, Uh, to share some great helpful information there. We're looking forward to reading that. And Dean, we can't thank you enough for taking the time to join us this week on the podcast.
2: Hey, it's great to be with you. I'm a little insecure, a little insecure that it took 86 episodes to get to me. But besides that, <laughs> besides that, I'm okay. It's good. It's good to be with you, guy. Just feeling a little inferior. That's all.
0: <laughs> that's pretty. That's pretty good. Hey, man,
1: we have a a, a vast array of guests on here, uh, and let me just tell you, uh, it, it can be from just the the smallest church pastor to to guys who have uh, preached to large crowds and sold a lot of books and everybody in between. But that's great. I, mean, I love that. Yeah, we just, we're just thankful for, for guys like you taking the time out to, to join us.
0: Yes, yeah. man, we are. That's funny. All right, well, let's, let's start, uh, Dane. I want to start by, by asking you about something that, that I've been passionate about a long time, and that I I feel like I've been trying to say things about this that you put just exactly in words that I couldn't in the book, unsaved Christian. And and it's, you know, about cultural Christianity. Obviously you're in Tallahassee, we're in Alabama. A lot of our listeners are in the South. And so that's something that we all come in contact with people who think or claim that they know Christ or know God, but really they, they have never responded to the gospel because there's no life change. So talk a little bit about maybe where that came from and uh, how that played out in your, in your ministry.
2: Yeah, well, I went to church every Sunday growing up, a little mainline Protestant church, unless we were sick or out of town. And uh, I, if you'd asked if I was a Christian, I would have said, absolutely. Uh, I thought it was strange even ask me that question. Uh, but if you'd asked me why I considered myself a Christian, not even a back me into the wall kind of thing, just ask me, like, why, why would you think you're a Christian? My answers would have been like a generic belief in God, basically that I'm not an atheist, uh, that I'm not of another religion like Judaism or Islam or Buddhism, that I'm a good person. Uh, You know, and I come from what I thought was a Christian family. And notice in that answer I just gave you, I didn't mention the gospel one time. Well, that's cultural Christianity. And for a long time, I think that people have just wrongly thought of cultural Christianity as a discipleship issue. We just think, oh, they seem to get more serious about the Lord and to get more connected to church, you know, have their faith impact their life, those type of things. And I go, no, 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 we're totally missing the boat here. This is not a discipleship issue. This is an evangelism issue. This is a totally different faith altogether that has actually nothing to do with the gospel. And after Jesus in Matthew 7 talked about wide roads, narrow roads, wide gates, and narrow gates, uh, just shortly, he warned about false teaching right afterwards. And then as soon as he said that, like 10 verses later, he said, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, perform miracles in your name? And he said, I'll tell them plainly, away from me, you workers of lawlessness, I never knew you. Now, a lot of folks think that, like, kind of grew up in 90s youth group culture, all you ever heard about was a personal relationship with Jesus. It's all, y'all, all you ever heard about. So that verse would be used as that, kind of thinking that, that Jesus is advocating for a personal relationship. Now, does God have a personal relationship with us through Christ? Yes, of course, he's our father, we're his sons and daughters. But that's not what it's talking about. What it's talking about is the fact that these people here are making their case for their rightness with God based on their own actions. Yep. And Jesus is not going to recognize that as saving faith. There you go, the unsaved Christian. People who think they're Christians but the reason for believing so has nothing to actually do with the Bible constitutes as saving faith. It's our mission field. I think it's the largest mission field in America, not just the South.
0: That's a great point.
1: Yeah, uh, I I think it's a tough mission field. It's hard ground for us to plow here in the South because uh, we're exposed to just enough – churchianity and just enough uh, knowing about Jesus that it makes that really dangerous for a lot of people. They know who Jesus is. Uh, they've gone to church just enough and then quote a few Bible verses and they say they're good people. So that's a, that's a struggle that Mark and I and a lot of other pastors in in the buckle of the Bible belt deal with. And I think that's where you really hit home in your book talking about how, how we not only recognize this is a a huge problem, but here's how we realistically can go about dealing with this. What would you say we can do to kind of maybe recognize in our churches and our ministries that maybe we aren't, we aren't preaching the true gospel where people clearly understand it? And how can we direct people to see, all right, here's, here's how we can kind of work through this in our culture, maybe in some of the relationships we have, family members or even church members who misunderstand the gospel?
2: Well, we do want to make sure we're not fueling it you know, that we make uh, becoming a Christian or as being a Christian, more of like a rite of passage, yeah. you know, some of the things we maybe are critical towards our Catholic friends about, you know, things we're rightly critical of where basically you get christened and you take your first communion and get confirmed and then you're declared part of the church, right? We almost have our own way in Protestant life. And I'm my, my tradition, I'm Southern Baptist In Southern Baptist life. We almost have the exact same approach. Just look where, you know, you have your baby dedication Then you, you know, grow up just a little tiny bit. When you're six years old, it's time for your parents to take you to meet with a pastor. And he basically asks you if you want to go to heaven or hell. And you're like, "Um, heaven. And he says, okay, pray this prayer. and you just repeat after him, like Dorothy wearing her red slippers and kicking them together and saying there's no place like home. And then you're declared, then they baptize you and declare you to be fine forever because of eternal security. (laughs) Because the once saved, always saved. And it's like, what just happened here? And don't don't get me wrong. I'm not against child baptisms by any sense of the imagination. Uh, But but I, I am for making sure that people actually are deciding to follow Jesus on their own not just getting in line because it's your turn, your six you're six or seven. Now that's what we do now, we go meet with the pastor. and This is the thing you see happen a lot of traditional Baptist circles. And I think it's our own kind of view. Uh, I've heard someone call it Protestant Mardi Gras. Yeah, you know, then what happens is, because what happens after that is then you, you, know, you go through youth group, your parents kind of make you go, you go on Sunday. And then when you're in college, you wander and then you don't go to church at all. Then when you're a young adult, you do the same thing. Then you get married and have kids. So you think it's good to come back to church. And then within five years, if you haven't killed anybody, they make you a deacon. <laughs> you know, so that's just, that's just how it works, right? So, uh, so that's one thing. And then how we can, what we can do about it besides not fueling it is that we need to make sure that we are not f- neglecting the fact that there are cultural Christians in our sanctuaries every single Sunday. We need to make sure we're speaking clearly to that. In the same way, if you, if we dropped you in a Muslim mission field tomorrow, and we told you you're gonna be speaking tomorrow at an event with a hundred Muslims present, I'm guessing you're gonna talk somewhat about Islam compared to Christianity. Maybe what the Quran says compared to what the Bible says, how you kind of sort that out. Why would we do the same thing with cultural Christians everywhere? We almost almost have to deprogram years of workspace religion, years of easy believism, years of this kind of generic belief in a lowercase g God uh, sort of being viewed as enough. And you also have to deprogram that and deconstruct it. So no matter what I'm preaching about, I, I, I address it every week. I don't call it that, uh, but they don't even know I'm doing it sometimes. So I'm just like deconstructing all this, like just, just tradition. And I mean, I'm not anti-tradition. I'm anti our faith being based on tradition rather than personal conviction and belief. Uh, so, uh, so that's really what I do. I spend a lot of time just speaking to that. the book of Galatians chapter two, uh, I think that's one of the most important verses in understanding cultural Christianity. Paul says, verse 21, if righteousness can be attained by keeping the law, then Christ died for nothing. So that even realizing that cultural Christians are holding up this big, huge sign with neon blinking lights uh, that says Jesus died for nothing mm. because the reason for thinking they're fine is again, they're not Jewish or they're not atheists or not Jewish or not Muslim. They're good people come from a Christian family, those type of things. I mean, that's all thinking righteousness can be attained, by something else other than the righteousness of Jesus being given to us, so we got to talk about those kind of things
0: absolutely so yeah. you know again this this my brother is a church planter in Arizona, and you know God called yes. him to a a pioneer place. My heart has always been for people who have been in church you know at some point in their lives, but they've never really been you know, they've never understood the gospel. They've maybe even never presented the gospel. And yeah. so, you know, that's my heart. And so I I've I found joy in seeing people come to Christ for the first time, even though they may have gone through the rite of passage, you know, years ago. Yeah. And, uh, and, and it's just, it's a joy to me. And so, I've got a lot of people, friends, and we've got a lot of people in ministry that we know that are, you know, their their congregations are like all of our congregations. You're right. It's all over America. It's, you know, it's it is the greatest mission field. You know, Billy Graham said 50% of people, you know, in the pews on a given Sunday don't know Christ. So where would you say if a pastor is listening, where would you say they need to start? What what do they need to start with? What do they need to start talking about specifically in order for their people to finally go, wait a minute. This is yeah. what I'm used to.
2: Yeah, the person in Arizona who doesn't go to church is just as lost as a cultural Christian man does in Alabama who does. That's right. Uh, you know, So um, the difference is there's just less churches in Arizona. There's less access. So that's why I gotta go plant churches there, right? And, and the thing is, atheism is not rampant out there. I mean, look at the stats. If the majority of people in Arizona aren't atheists. They're generic theists. That's right. And, here, and here's my point to bringing that up, is that we've got to do a better job of the doctrine of God. Mm. And because for cultural Christians, God's like their buddy or he's like a big guy upstairs, a, a kind of a divine grandpa or Santa-like figure, uh, maybe even the force from Star Wars or a moral compass, mm. kind of on that range, one of those type of things. Uh, he's just kind of generic and kind of vague. And you might go, well, who are you to tell someone that they're not worshiping the right God? Well, well I'm not the one to tell. I'm, I'm going to say what God has said. And the issue is our God is not vague. He's not generic. He has made himself known. Like he has spoken to us. He wants us to know who he is. Uh, so a very lowercase g generic God is going to make sin not a big deal. Instead, you just make a mistake. We're all messed up. We're all broken. You know, all the things people like to say today instead of talking about sin, uh, because our view of God is so small. Uh, so if God's small, then what's a the big deal if I mess up? Well, no, if I understand the God of the Bible, I know that I don't just mess up. I've actually sinned against God, uh, which means that I need a savior. Well, who's going to save me? You can't save me. You have your own sin to deal with right uh, yeah so and i can't do enough good deeds to cancel out my bad deeds that's like going to you know chick-fil-a and thinking that you can get you know an extra chicken sandwich because you drink a diet coke and it cancels it out you know it just doesn't make any sense <laughs> so that, that's how that's how logical that is uh, you know I, I don't need the fruit cup i'll get the fries instead because I'm drinking unsweet tea you know like that that kind of mindset i, I need to appeal to somebody i, I need a foreign righteousness so i can't attain one of my own or have some another person do it for me must be it must be one that's come here without sin. You know, his name is Jesus. So, so I think that's where it starts. I think we can really start helping people see the bigness of God because until we see the the holiness of God and the glory of God and the greatness of God, we're not going to understand love and mercy and compassion and grace. That's right. We're just not. I mean, what's what's a big deal if God loves me? My grandpa loves me. My friend loves me. What's the big deal? Well, there's here's how it's different, and <laughs> we need to make sure that we understand that because I think we're minimizing the love of God, if we don't expound on the holiness and greatness and glory of God.
0: Great point.
1: He
2: has, he has spoken. He has, he has made himself known.
1: Absolutely. And I think we are dealing with a couple of generations now of, of nominal or cultural Christians where, especially in our convention. I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to talk down about our Southern Baptist convention. I'm delighted to be a Southern Baptist, but, um, our emphasis has been so swayed towards let's get people into the baptistry and on our roles and in the pews and their checks in the offering plates that we've kind of really ignored the reality of what the true gospel is. And, uh, Mark and I've talked before and, and other people talk about, you know, the, the whole never, uh, issue of what you win them with is what you keep them with or what you win them to is what you keep them with. And the, the gospel you preach determines the disciples you make. I mean, those things go hand in hand and we've made what we consider to be converts, uh, mm. over the last few decades and not real true conversion has taken place. And we're, I think we're, we're laying in the bed we've made for ourselves. What do you see the next yeah. phase for us as the church, not just the Southern Baptist convention? What do you see for us kind of in the, the, the short period ahead or, or even the, the next, Several years of where we are dealing with culture Christianity, uh, it's just a dilemma, honestly.
2: Well, I don't think there is church outside of the Sun Baptist Convention. No, I'm just kidding. Sorry, (laughs) Uh, sorry, just kidding, just kidding. Uh, so I think that baptism is the starting point. So I'm not Mm -hmm. asking, I'm not asking someone to go through a discipleship process before they get baptized. I, I want to be clear on that. It's the starting point. You can be the most immature, you can be a Christian for 12 hours and get baptized. And I think that's biblical. And I think that's great. I want to make sure they're actually one to Christ. Amen. And not to some cultural expression, or mm-hmm. some rite of passage, or some well, this is what we do now, you know, that, that that type of idea. So I want there to be conviction and repentance, right? I want them to denounce the world and, and, and to claim Jesus, they're going to fall into the rest of their lives. That, that, that's what I want to see. So I think the way forward, really, I'm really encouraged by I mean, I know it's kind of cliche now, but sort of what the the rising up of gospel centrality, you know, amongst a lot of people in our generation uh, Mm -hmm. and younger, you know, the the seminaries what they're cranking out. So I I think really you're going to see, some are going to hang on to their moralism and their revivalism and their God and country for dear life. Uh, But that that's fading. Like they can be loud on social media, but it's nowhere near as prominent as you might think. Uh, You're seeing a generation rise up of of true gospels, and it's true in the PCA. We're seeing gospel-centered Anglican brothers, uh, Missouri Synod brothers. We're we're seeing those kind of things happen, and I think you're going to see some great long-term effect for the church. At the same time, much of the mega church, and I pastor a large church myself, but so, so I'm not like throwing stones. But much of the mega church was really fueled by cultural Christianity, low entry easy gospel, repeat this prayer and you're in, you know, and and in a big, huge city, like a Metroplex, there's enough cultural Christianity to go around quantity wise to where there's a ton of people at church. Even Mm -hmm. if somebody goes one Sunday a month, there's 12 million people in your city, you know, (laughs) or whatever, 8 million people, there's enough to go around. Uh, So it feels like it's always full and like we're doing something here. So I think that there's also going to be some of that uh, where we don't see as booming, bigging, massive churches, uh, or, or, or we only see a few that are, you know, maybe in each city, not as many, because I think the cultural Christianity will just eventually kind of wean itself out. The problem is, it's not that cultural Christianity is going away. They're just not going, they're just not going to be going to church. Right. So there's still a mission field that thinks they're fine. I have my own relationship with God and all that kind of crap people say, uh, you know, and to, to excuse a churchless Christianity and things like that. And are you allowed to say that on this podcast? Sorry. Yes, so a, uh, but, okay. no doubt
0: no doubt you can say that okay. even worse. <laughs> okay. no, uh,
2: but but so I think that, that's what you're gonna see. I think I think the way forward is gospel centrality and really building churches based on that, and you're gonna see cultural Christianity vanish in terms of its presence as a result of
0: that. That's that's a great word. So we we had a conversation with you actually just a couple weeks ago on a lunch and learn event. And something you, you said really struck a nerve for us, and I think it's a timely issue. Um, here we are, just, you know, when we're recording this episode, just a couple of weeks away from a, a national election. Oh, boy. And uh, I think, you know, I think we have, and I said this in the, in, in, in the pulpit yesterday, in fact, I think we have mixed what God has said with what our, whatever our favorite politician has said, so much that we think it's one and the same. Oh, yeah. And I think cultural Christianity really has fed this whole, you know, political God, lowercase g, if you will. So talk a little bit about the challenges that we face as leaders and as pastors uh, in this divisive highly political culture it's not just because it's an election year this is you know this is a growing issue for us in 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 churches talk a little bit about how we face those challenges
2: yeah i i don't think we know the difference between being unengaged and having an actual kingdom ethic towards our political views because people think when you when they tell someone to settle down on politics that you think that you're claiming be disengaged Right. And that's not that's not what we're saying. So here's that looks like. Right now, if you went on Facebook today and posted, like, your favorite Bible verse, maybe you're a pastor, you might get a little more action, but if you're just your everyday church member went went online and posted their favorite Bible verse, they might get, you know, a few likes and a couple of amens, something like that. That's my favorite verse, too, something like that. If they went online and posted in the same exact platform a political statement, they would have 75 replies.
0: Exactly. Okay,
2: so, so, so it, it's misdirected passions. Uh, It it is. And people think it's one and the same, like you said, and that's the biggest issue So we got to help people sort through that. Uh, Also uh, there is the issue of what's happened to pastors. And now we could get away with saying the wrong thing biblically or theologically Hmm. before we could get away with saying what's in someone else's eyes, the wrong thing politically. What a scary place to be. Like what a discipleship crisis we have when that's the case. And it's, it's really troubling. So we have misdirected passions, And I think it's a result of years of just the marrying the two together and make their ultimate passions. For a cultural Christian, again, they don't know Jesus. So you got to fill it with something, right? And what they've done is they filled it with a sort of Americanized gospel or a social gospel uh, that allows them to have the feels of religion and the passions of religion without the theological commitments of it. And that's where we're at. So guess what, we have to be courageous and be willing to plow through that and speak to it and talk about it and call it what it is and call for repentance, not to disengage, but to rethink what it looks like to engage. And what does it actually look like to live as sojourners and aliens, you know, as people who are not of this world? Like, what does that actually look like to have our citizenship in another place than here? Uh, like, what, like, Philippians 3 says, like, what, what does that look like for us? And I don't think you can talk about it enough. I and mean, I think that's the essential part of our discipleship now is, is that world, because it's not going to get any better. No. it's just not it's not get back no. it's, it's religion now but what's really dangerous is when it's religion but you think it's Christianity yeah oh boy good luck with that
1: yeah yeah you're right I think that's exactly where we are it's yeah. the the syncretism you know it's the blending of all of these different aspects of what people think is a genuine yeah. Christian faith and it's not real I mean it's the yeah. Yeah. moralistic therapeutic deism it's the yeah. you know the the political uh, activism, it's all those things that are melded in, in, into one thing, and it's it's got just enough truth, believable truth, for most people to think they're okay or this is the way, as they Sound say. Sounds
2: right. Yeah,
0: This yeah. is yeah. the way. Yeah, man. And,
2: and also what's happened, too, in terms of what it's making Christians, what, what, what we're becoming, how we really are being conformed to the pattern of this world yes, rather than being transformed by the re- renewing of our minds. I mean, how many people in congregations have some like active church members who hate, I mean, to Kamala Harris? Mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean, a Christian who thinks she's like this, this monster, you know, rather than an image bearer. And someone go, well, of course, mm-hmm. she's a monster. She supports this and that. It's like, okay, but like that allows us to hate. Right. How, many people, how many people hate the president? I mean, legitimately hate him. I mean, like Absolutely. he like he like rents out space for free in their minds. Absolutely. I and mean, I think about him all day long. It's like one little post about it. He was like, I'm praying for the president. It's like, well, that, it's, it's crazy, man. And we've got to speak to this kind of stuff because we're allowing like basically sin to go on unrepented, mm-hmm. And that's really problematic. I mean, people that hated President Obama, and the things they would say about him and people I mean, a, a brother in Christ like Mike Pence to hear what some Christians say about him. It's just awful you know yeah. and we have we have to speak to these things and they all think they're justified by it yeah yeah it's crazy
1: well i mean I, I i i'm just crazy enough to believe that if if we do what we've been talking about so far today we introduce people to the biblical gospel where it really means to to give your life to Jesus to follow him and have your whole devote, devotion of your your life to him above any and all things and then disciple them in that, I, I think you're going to come up with not only how to be a good husband or wife or parent or employee, but you're going to also uh, address the fact of how do we how do we deal with politics in our yeah. culture and all these other things. So right. uh, you're spot on in some of the things that we've talked about
0: today. And yeah, so- it's, a,
2: it's a problem if when someone thinks Christian, they think Trump supporter.
0: Mm. Yes. That is a problem. And
2: that's what, not that you can't be a Christian and be a Trump supporter. I'm not right. saying that, but when people think right. that in the lost world, that's one of the first things, if not the first thing that comes to mind, we should grieve over that.
1: Yes. Yeah. But like, and what's yeah, to I mean, say about like, our, our Christianity as yeah. a whole, as the appearance of what we are, that when certain people who claim to be Christians, uh, who, who, that's the people who aren't Christians point to, and, and they say, uh, well, yeah. if that person claims to be a Christian, then I don't want anything to do with that.
2: And how does that translate to a different country? Yeah. Like, well, how would it affect your faith if you move to Austria or Poland tomorrow? Like, our faith shouldn't have to change. So just like, ultra, like, nationalistic, uh, kind of politics, God and country, USA person, like, will they have any faith to stand on if they move to a different country tomorrow? Like, our message and our gospel shouldn't change an inch That's right. you know, based on where we live.
0: Yeah. And I think I think you make a great point. It's going to take courage. Yeah, um, You know... It, it's not going to be easy um, addressing some of these issues, some of these idols, some of these, you know, heresies, false teachings, whatever you want to call them that have, you know, cropped up in our churches. And um, but the truth is Dean, you said it, it's not going to get any better, especially if we don't address it. So. Oh yeah. I think, I think courage is key. And, um, you know, I know our conversation is 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 brief today, and I think we just kind of hit the tip of the iceberg. So we're gonna have to bring you back. But
2: anytime, episode but I mean, 100, episode 186. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, so we probably
0: won't wait quite that long. But um, but I, I do know that that I have been encouraged, and uh, and I know those listening and watching have been encouraged and equipped to lead with courage. Uh, yeah. You know, with the banner of the gospel. So thank you so much, Dean, for joining us.
2: Yeah, guys, thanks for having me. Go Troy Trojans. Hey, go
0: Trojans. That's right. I knew I was going to like Dean when we had a conversation before we hit record about uh, the Troy football team. Just saying. Anyway.
1: And that ends the streak of 86 episodes of us ending on something encouraging.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, whatever. Whatever. Uh, thank you again, thank Dean. You. We thank appreciate you. it. Yeah, and we do we
1: appreciate you joining us today. And, and thank you for how God's using you to be courageous and to be bold and yes. to say things that, we as pastors need to hear and church leaders need to hear. So we, we, we really appreciate you taking the time to be here today. Absolutely. Thanks, guys.
2: Appreciate that.
0: And uh, we'll see y'all next time.
1: Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Church Leadership Podcast. Don't forget to share, subscribe, and even review our podcast on your favorite podcast listening app.